working. He is working. Every year uh, around this time, obviously, we're moving into a new year. And from my perspective, the transition from one year to the next is always, for me, about perspective. And I say that because I understand that sometimes that we like to kind of categorize and we kind of summarize our year and we kind of try to decide to put it in some category whether the year was good or whether the year was bad. And this is something that we go through every year. But one of the things, but I think it's the wrong question. Um, I think that the question for me is always what is God doing in our lives? That to me is always the question. It is about what God is doing. Because as a Christian, we understand it's important to always remember this, that we are not our own. You know that because we say it all the time. But I think from a really uh, practical standpoint, it's something that we need to walk in faith, understanding and knowing that. And, and when I say that we're not our own, what I'm really communicating you, to, to us is that, that God has a divine, a divine plan for our lives. God has a plan. God is directing our life. God cares about us. God went through great lengths to save you. And we'll talk about that here in a moment. And so it should be somewhat of, uh, somewhat of, a, uh, of, of, of joy or a level of peace knowing that God has a divine plan for us. So we understand as a consequence of that, that God is always working in our lives and there are no wasted moments. I want to say that again. God is always working in our lives. And as he is sovereign over all things, there are no wasted moments. I remember some years ago when I first got started in ministry, I spent a significant amount of time in ministry. When I say significant amount of time in ministry, I practically spent seven days in the church and I wasn't in full time ministry. I was simply serving in various capacities. My wife and I we were very, very faithful in that church. So was everybody else that were attending. Uh, you know, we spent hours there, uh, long services, two services on Sunday. Uh, went to Bible school while I was still obviously uh, learning to be a police officer and patrol. I was going to Bible school at the same time, uh, just kind of realizing that God had placed a call on my life. So I had this, this, this uh, uh, deep and profound desire to study and to get myself ready and equipped to do what God was calling me to do. And uh, so I was in school. I was serving all the time. I worked in various capacities, praise and worship leader for a while. I did that, a youth leader uh, uh, for a while. I did that. I was a, a deacon, drove the bus ministry. I did that. I had the evangelism department. Uh, I, I did that. Um, I cleaned the church uh, at least twice a week that I was assigned. So I did all of that. And, uh, and needless to say, uh, we were quite involved. I wouldn't recommend that to anybody today. But I'm just telling you my, my story. But the church, that particular church didn't end in a very uh, pleasant way. Uh, it ended in a way that a lot of people were hurt and uh, people were, uh, were, were damaged even to this day as a consequence of what had happened there. And I remember thinking to myself very briefly, the thought came into my mind that, man, I kind of wasted all this time. You know, I spent all this time doing all this stuff and all these hours at the church and all these time laboring and doing. And I really thought and, and there's something in me that said, man, you know, you just you just kind of wasted 
all of your time. Until God reminded me, and I didn't learn this until a time later, that no, I, I didn't waste any time. You see, part of who I am today was from the experience that God took me through. And when we understand that God is at work in us to will and to do of his good pleasure, that means that God is at work in us 24-7 every second, every minute, every moment of the day. How many know that God is working in your life even now? And, and I realized that all of the things that I went through helped shaped me. It helped me to learn. I learned a whole lot of things about ministry. I learned a whole lot of things about people. And in order for me to be the man that I am today, I had to, at least from God's perspective, I had to go through that. Now, if you're walking in faith, if you believe in God, if you have a desire to serve God, and you're running after God, I want you to understand that God is with you. And God is always working in your life. The question then becomes, where are you faith-wise? Because the only barrier between where God is trying to take you and you is really how much you believe him. That's really the key point here. So when I know that some of us may say and think, you know, hey, me personally, things in 2017 didn't go the way I wanted them to go. Can I ask you a question? Every year that's gone by, has things always went the way you wanted them to go? No, they never do, right? That's why I say it's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of, of, of what God is doing because we know God is doing something. We understand that. He's working in our lives. I know from a church standpoint, things didn't go the way we wanted it to go in 2017. As a church, we consider it as a people. But just like the Apostle Paul said to the jailer, if y'all remember this story in the book of Acts, we're going to refer there in a moment, when all the prisoners' chains fell off and, 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 and you know, the, the jailer thought that everybody was going to run out and leave and, 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 and the jailer got ready to kill himself and Paul said, uh, don't do that because we are still here. Look at your neighbor and say, through it all, come on, look at your neighbor and say, through it all, we're still here. <laughs> Come on, church, and everything that God, the Foundation Church, has gone through over the years, can we give God a praise clap that we are still here? We are still believing. We are still tracking. We are still hoping. Why? Because we know the Bible said that we can always be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the works of the Lord because it's not for nothing. What I need to know, though, is my faith needs to stay at a place where I keep walking and I keep believing God, no matter what it looks like. In fact, as I begin to, I was preparing this message, uh, throughout history, here's what I've come to discover. And those of you, I know you're Bible readers in here, but throughout history, I have discovered something that is amazing as I read the Bible. That God's greatest works were performed out of times of silence out of times of hardship, out of times of pain, obscurity, out of times of confusion and frustration. In those moments when we're thinking, man, God is not doing anything, nothing is happening, nothing is progressing, it is in those moments that if we're in faith that God is behind the scene pulling things on our behalf. I remember, I want you to remember, you remember Israel and all the stuff that they went through, being by Pharaoh's grip, all that pain and all that suffering that they went through. And, and, you know, I'm sure they were thinking, man, God is not doing anything. How many know God had a plan to deliver them all along 
And he did. He brought them through a mighty great deliverance. You remember the story of King David? David was anointed to be the king of Israel. And then for a great number of years after the boy was anointed, David was running from his life for his life. He was a fugitive because Saul was trying to kill him. So here's a man who just get anointed and he's thinking, you know, because come on, church, if you go to a ceremony, you know, the man of God, Samuel wasn't just an ordinary prophet. Samuel come and pour some oil on you, brother. Hey, something's going to happen. Well, you know what happened with David right after the oil get poured on him? The bottom falls off. Here he is. He's running. Years go by. And from our perspective, you know, if it's one of us, I can see us being in that situation. God, God, what's happening? Things ain't going right. God, why am I in this situation? But how do you know David stayed in faith? <laughs> he kept believing God throughout the whole, whole ordeal. And how do you know David came Israel's, Christ was standing, he became Israel's greatest king. Remember Job? Job, after living a life of extraordinary blessing in favor of God, like no man ever, his life became stagnant and became confusing as he had to endure pain, sickness, and a degree of lack that he never had had experienced before. In fact, he had lost everything except for the fact that he didn't die. And Job, if you go back and read Job, Job was sitting there saying, God, where are you? God, what's happening? God, I don't understand this. God, will you please talk to me? Have anybody ever asked God, God, please talk to me? And we see Job going through all that, a period of, we would call it being stagnant, not progressing. I'm sick. All my enemies, everybody's talking about me. And all of this stuff is going on. And I don't know what to do until at some point Job had to realize that there were some things that even God had to teach Job, who was a mighty man of God. There were some things that he had to learn. So God allowed him to go through that so he could bless him 10 times over than what it was before he went into the situation. I'm just trying to tell you that God does his most profound work in the moments when you think he is not working. And that's why Jesus said to the disciples, he says, now, when I come back on the earth, will I find faith? And remember Jesus said, he said, when I come back, he said, the son of man, he said, will the son of man find people that still believe him or have life thrown curves at you to the extent that you say, I don't know, I've quit, I've given up in my spirit. We don't, how many know the Bible says, good God, that we're more than overcomers. There's no quit in us. Because we already know we have won. That's why we don't, we don't ever, I don't care what it looks like in here, we don't ever have to come to church with our head hung down. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Because we already got the victory. If you know you got the victory, come on, give Jesus a hand clap of praise. You got the victory. You already won. What? Stop tripping. <laughs> See, the devil want to steal our joy. The devil want us to focus on stuff that we shouldn't be focused on. So let's understand how God works in our life. I got to do this quickly. So first of all, we need to understand God is working. I said that God is working. Jesus said this. John 5, 17. He said, my father has been working until now and I have been working. That's what Jesus said. He said, my father has been working until now and I have been working. How do you know? Aren't you glad that God never sleeps? He never slumbers. He never stops working in our lives. How do you know that? Jesus didn't stop working in our lives when he left, when his ministry 
ended when he died, which his ministry really didn't end it. But when he left, how do you know that Jesus is still working even to this day? He never stopped. He never stopped. In fact, the reason why we're saved today, because he kept working after years, after, after being long gone, he's still working. He's, he's working right now to save people. He's working right now to bring people out. God is at work even now at this very moment. He is as active as he's always been. Ephesians 1.11, I'll give you a couple of verses before we get back to our story here in the book of Acts. In Ephesians 1.11, I just want to give you a couple of things so that you can realize what God is doing. In him also we have obtained an inheritance. It didn't say we might. It didn't say possibly. It says we have obtained an inheritance being predestined. Everybody say predestined. predestined. Oh, get this. look at this. According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So everything that God is doing in our life, this is important that we all get this. Everything that God is doing in our lives is to fulfill his will for planet Earth and our life. It's all about the will of God. We, the, more, the more we come into sync with the will of God, the more success you'll have as a Christian. In fact, I would even say this. The more you identify with the will of God, the more happier you will be as a believer. The more happier, the more that we are committed to the will of God, because what is God doing? God is working in our lives to fulfill his will. How many know that, 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 that we're his servants? He's not serving us in the sense that he exists for us. We exist for him and to give him glory. And as a consequence of that, we have the blessed assurance of knowing that our God is with us and he's empowering us to do great things. Psalms 37, 23, just in case you forgot, the Bible says there that the steps of a good man are ordered by God. I don't know, but how many of you will say today, Pastor, that I find myself in situations and places I didn't know how I got here. I thought I made up my mind. I thought I was making some choices. But has anybody ever just kind of stumbled into the favor of God? Anybody ever kind of stumbled into the blood? I mean, all of a sudden, you look up one day, brother, and you just look back over your life, and you say, oh, God, what have you done for me? I, I never saw it. I mean, if it was up to you, you, you wouldn't have, you would have, you would have cowered. You wouldn't have did anything. But somehow, God just orders our stuff. I don't know how he does it, but he takes our simple lives, and he takes the complexities of our life, and, and God orders our steps according to his will. He's directing us even now. God's plans for us was before the world began. This is why we say all the time that we must realize how precious we are. The Bible says in Ephesians 1 verses 4 and 5, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, God chose us way before we ever arrived on the scene. The Bible says that we're his workmanship, created under good works. This is God. God predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. In other words, God loved us before we even came into our mother's womb. That's why we proudly say there are no accidents. How many know that life is not an accident? Life is a gift by God. Life is a gift. There are no accidents. God chose you. Did anybody ever think to yourself, like, God, why did you choose me? He could have chose a lot of other things, but a lot of other people. But yes, 
He chose you knowing that you were a mess and he loves us anyway. Come on, we ought to give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that. Don't give pastor, give it, give it to Jesus, please. See, God is engineering all of our circumstances for our good. This is how God is working in our lives. I want you to understand this. Romans 8, 28, and we know, and we know, and we know, <laughs> and we know, and we know. See, we read that verse sometime and we don't even meditate on it. And we, does anybody know? Okay, watch this. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We know this. We know this. This is a fact and reality for the believer. We know that God is causing all things to work together for good. Watch this, church. Even our, our pain, even our bad decisions, our mistakes, uh, our frustrations, all the different things that we go through. Somehow, kind of like what I said to you earlier and all the things I went through in those early years of ministry, somehow God worked it out that in the end it's going to make me better. <laughs> Y'all hear what I'm saying? All that stuff that I'm going through, dealing with you is going to make me better. Are y'all hearing me? Come on, look at the name and say, dealing with you is going to make me better. Come on, look at it and say, it's going to make me better. It's going to make me better. Dealing with you, I'm going to be better. Dealing with all the, dealing with folks on my job, dealing with all these various obstacles and challenges, all of this somehow, God is going to work it out to, it's, it's, it's going to benefit me somehow, some way. This is God doing what he does. And how, how does he call us to respond? I'm glad you asked the question. Romans 1.17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from, watch this, faith to faith. Oh, good God. Watch this, sir. It is written, the just shall live by what? Faith. Come on, preach with me. The just shall, preach like the 2,000. The just shall live by what? Faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by what? Faith and not by. For we, we, Christian believers, we who know God, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, we walk by faith and not by sight. How many know that walking by what you see will mess you up? As a believer, when he talks about spiritual things, man, if you live your Christianity, when you're trying to be a good Christian based on what you see, you will be a terrible Christian. You'll be miserable, you'll be frustrated, and you won't be happy most of the time because how many know that what you see runs contrary to what's happening in the spirit realm with God? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So he's, t he's telling us something. He says, watch this now. He said, the just shall live by faith. Because if you're trying to live life by what you see, you will never experience the fullness of the capacity of what God wants to do in our life. It's a faith call, baby. You step out, and yeah, sometimes it don't make sense. I don't understand it. It, it. In my mind, this is crazy. But the Bible says when you walk by faith, you do it. Because it is by faith that you will find God. It is by faith that you're going to find God. You got, listen, it is by faith you're going to find God. Just like he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk, in other words, can I put it to you in a ghetto way that you can get it? Church, we walk by what we believe. Y'all get that? 
We walk by what we believe, not by what we see. Because watch this. What you see is not reality. Let me, let me, let me, let me help you with this. The things in the realm of the spirit are more real than what you see with your natural. We flip the thing around. We get it all confused. We think that what we see is more real when in actuality, everything that happens in the natural first is materializing in the realm of the spirit. So what we got to understand is that that's why the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places by stuff we can't see. But as a believer, that's why you have been called. You know better. Look at your neighbor and say, you know better. You know that you got to be looking at this thing in the realm of the spirit. That's why you do stuff that natural folk who walk in the flesh, they don't understand. They think you're nuts. They think you're crazy. Why are you doing it? It doesn't make sense because you walk by faith and not by sight. You do what God said no matter what it looks like. I walk by faith. Why are you thinking like that? Why are you doing that, brother? Why are you saying that? Because I walk by faith, not by sight. If you're not walking by faith, then you're walking by sight. And if you're walking by sight, you are a fleshly Christian. You can forget it. You're Christian, but you ain't going to have no impact. We ain't going to access and pull down anything from heaven, baby, by by, by walking in the flesh. You've got to do it through the realm of the spirit. That's why I said you got to pray. Well, Pastor, I don't feel like praying. Oh, but how much? what, What do you want God to do? You got to pull it down, what? In the spirit, by faith. It's by faith that we do what we, faith with our works is dead. See, faith says, faith says the devil is a liar. Am I right about it? Faith said the devil is defeated. Faith said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Faith says, though he slay me, yet I'll trust him. Faith says, I walk by faith and not by sight. Faith says, he will provide all my needs. Faith says, my bills are paid. Faith says my children will prosper and live out their full days. Faith says I am healed. Faith says I'm not alone. Faith says my God will never leave me. Faith says no weapon formed against me will prosper. Faith says I will live and not die. Faith says I'm the head and not the tail. Faith says God will defeat my enemies. Faith says I will prosper in my season. Faith says I'm winning. Faith says I'm overcoming. Faith says victory is mine. That's faith. And that's the way we got to walk. Are y'all hearing me this morning? The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Oh, God, isn't that hard to do? Because we spend all of our time trying to what? Understand it. It's not that understanding is bad. I think we ought to try to understand. The Bible said don't lean on it. <laughs> don't lean too heavily on that because you're going to come a point in time, the more you walk with God, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna reach a, a critical point, what I call a critical mass, when you realize that this simply don't make sense. I cannot understand this. And he says, that's when we need to trust in God, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't even lean on your own. Don't camp there because if, if your whole thing is, I got to know what it is. I got to know everything. I got to fully understand everything. Boink. You're going to be disappointed. You trust in the Lord with all your heart. He said, don't lean on your own understanding. I mean, no, God's given us some clear direction here on how we're supposed to live. He said, don't lean on your own understanding. Don't do it. So in other words, church, when it seems that he is not working, that's the time. Watch this, church. That is the time to trust him even more. 
That's the time to believe him even more. Let me give you an example. So let's look at Paul and Silas, for example. So this is what this, this whole thing, I had to build all that up to kind of go into this so you can have some context. So here it is. Paul called of God, mighty man of God. Man, we sit here and read a great deal of the New Testament was all penned by the Apostle Paul. Man, Apostle Paul was an intellectual man, a, a spiritual man, a wise man, a man that was full of the Holy Ghost, a man that performed great miracles, a man that, that walked with God and saw things that he couldn't even talk about. God took him to the third heaven and the brother was speechless. Paul had been into some places. He's experienced God in ways that nobody else had. This is this Apostle Paul. So here he is walking and doing what God called him to do, doing ministry, doing the work of ministry. He calls out this woman in Acts chapter 16. Look at verse number, Acts 16, verse 16 to 18. So Paul ends up calling out this woman who has a demonic spirit. See, now here's why I want you to understand something. You read this verse. If you're not in the spirit, you won't catch it. If you're in the flesh, you'd be blind to it. But Paul saw something in the spirit because on the surface, it looked like the woman wasn't doing anything wrong. But Paul was in the spirit because the just shall live by what? Faith. Paul wasn't in the flesh. Paul said, look, he said, now it happened as he went to prayer that a certain slave girl, he would pray, everybody say prayer. So Paul spent a lot of time in prayer. Y'all get that. See the connection. He spent a lot of time in prayer. That a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met him, brought up her masters, brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. She was, I like to call her a witch doctor, <laughs> as we call them in the country. Uh, witch this girl followed Paul. Look, now look, look what she did. Follow Paul in us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God. Now, are they the servants of the most high God? Come on, talk back. Are, are Paul and Silas servants of the most high God? And they proclaimed to us the way of salvation. All right, look at that. What's, what, they're, the most high, they're serving the most high God. Aren't they proclaiming the way of salvation? What's wrong with this? And this she did for what? Many days. But Paul was annoyed. <laughs> Paul was a, what up, Paul? What's wrong with you, brother? Paul turned to the spirit. He turned to the spirit and he command, He said, I command you in the name of Christ to come out of her. See, this woman was really in the spirit realm. She was mocking Paul and Silas. She was mocking him. She was being manipulative. Her spirit wasn't of God. It was of the enemy. And, and she was, and Paul caught it. Why? Because he was walking by faith and not by what he saw. Now, a person who's just walking in the flesh, they'd be like, come on, yeah, keep telling everybody, not even discerning what was going on there. So she was controlled by a demonic spirit. Paul calls her out. Oh, gosh, Paul shouldn't have did that because the minute Paul called that spirit out, this woman, that spirit was gone, and a lot of her masters, they were getting paid because of all her soothsaying, all of her witchcraft. So a lot of these, they were making money. How I many know, I told you, boy, you start messing. When the money is funny, boy, people start talking. They start messing with the money. So they get upset, right? Now, now I want you to understand something. Paul is exercising here spiritual protocol. He's doing what God, what he needs to be doing. How I many know Jesus cast out demons all the time? You remember Peter? Peter. 
Lord, you ain't going to go to the cross. Can't happen to you. Peter, Jesus looked right at Peter and spoke to the spirit. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Y'all getting this. Paul was doing the same thing, right? He's not doing anything wrong. The master's getting mad. It says in Acts 16, verses 19 and 23. But when their master saw that their hope of the prophet was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace and to the authorities, and they brought them to the magistrates. Look at verse 21. And they, and they said in verse 21, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to, to receive or observe. Then, watch it, verse 22, the multitude rose up together against them. The magistrate tore off their clothes, commanded them to be beaten with rods. And watch this. And when they had laid many stripes on them, threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Now, you got to understand something here. Apostle Paul and Silas was serving God. But they end up in prison. Paul and Silas serving God. But they end up, and just in case you know, prison in those days are not like prison today. I go to prison to pick up prisoners and I do extraditions. They have cable TV. They have food. They have nice warm blankets. They have lights. Man, I'm telling you, in some ways, I think, man, they're encouraging people to come back. No, 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 no. You got to understand something. See, Roman imprisonment was uh, preceded by being stripped naked. They were flogged. And then they were humiliated. It was painful. They were, they were beaten. It was bloody. Their bleeding wounds, a lot of times, they went untreated. And, and here's the other thing that I found in my studies, that the Apostle Paul spent roughly one quarter of his missionary career in prison. Now, y'all, y'all, look, look at me. Look at me. Now, y'all know, y'all know. If, if, if somebody here end up in jail, y'all know we'd be spending a great deal of time trying to get out. Come on, somebody. Right? Man, and we'd be miserable in there. Am I right about it? Some of us would be crying, oh, get my head out of prison. <laughs> get him out. I can't believe God. What was he doing? He was serving God. He just was trying to be faithful. He did it in his prison. That's ain't right. God, get him out. We'd be trying to get lawyers. We'd be at each other's houses crying and consoling each other. Just being so miserable because he's like, where's your husband? Where's your wife? They're locked up in jail for what? Preaching the gospel. Y'all know that's what we'd be doing. That's flesh. See, prisons were generally, they were devoid of light. The principal objective of chains, because they had chains on them, was to restrict mobility and prevent escape. The food that they got barely sustained life. The barbers' knives were dangerous to security, obviously, in prison. Therefore, prison had to put up with long, unkept, and matted hair that was full of lice. Prisons were associated with death. Generally, suicide was a response to the misery. In other words, prison in those days, the Roman, we went in a Roman prison, it was so bad that the people wanted to try to kill themselves over and over again. This is how bad it was. Paul serving God, he lands there. That's where he ends up. <laughs> they were arrested for doing what God called them to do. <laughs> now, Paul and Silas could have, just like I just gave this little example, they could have Question God. God, 
This is terrible. How do I end up here? They could have just been sitting there frustrated. Oh, oh God, this is just, I mean, Lord, you know, I'm not, I could be much more effective if I'm preaching the gospel out there. I can't do nothing in this dark, dirty hole. This is terrible. Nothing is happening right here. I'm not progressing. What am I doing here? (laughs) I could be out there, God, doing your work, but I'm stuck. Everybody say stuck. Yeah, they, they could have decided, they could have said, hey, you know what, maybe, maybe this is the end. I mean, we're locked up. I mean, prison back in those days, like I said, it wasn't a place full of optimism. <laughs> Realistically speaking, easily, I mean, the thought would come into mind, maybe this is the end. Maybe this is over. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here, every, people dying around me. Oh, what, I mean, maybe this is it. Maybe I'm not, this is, this is the end. Nothing's going to happen, you know. Mm. Paul and Silas, they could have thought that as long as they were in prison, that no progress would be made. Because naturally, we would think that. We would think that. And we would miss the opportunity of what God is trying to do because we're so fixated on trying to get out of that situation. But we're not processing what God is doing now. Y'all, y'all hear what I'm saying? The question for our church is, what is God doing now? What is God saying to us? Are y'all getting this? He's saying something. Now watch this. So Paul and Silas in prison, they maintain a different spirit, a great attitude. The Bible says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas, this is Acts chapter 16, verse 25. Paul and Silas were, here we go again, praying. Y'all get that? What were they doing? Every time you turn around, what is he doing? Praying. Praying, praying, praying. And y'all get y'all seeing that connection here, right? They were praying and they were singing. Well, Pastor, I don't I don't like to sing. <laughs> well, you know, you're gonna be uncomfortable in heaven because a whole lot of that going on. And the prisons, and watch this, and the prisoners were what? Listening to them. Are y'all getting this? While they're in jail, because the prison is like, because remember, y'all just remember how I just described this place, right? Y'all, I'm going to go a little bit longer. They just stay with me. I, I just got to get this done. So, so you can think, so they're in the prison, think, and, 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 and this place was a place of depression. Every time I go to a jail to extradite a prisoner, I mean, every time I go there, I really have to pray because these places are full of depression. They're the, the spirits. I mean, all kind of. I'm telling you, it's a, and it was so much worse then. And, and, but Paul and Silas is doing something that you don't do in prison. He are, they are singing and praising God. And the, the Bible says that the prisoners heard. How many know that if I'm in prison in a, in a place like that, like I just got, I'd be thinking, well, what's up with them? I'd be like, whoa, 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 why are they up here singing? Do they know something we don't know? What's, what, what is this? But in other words, they kept believing God. What it looked like didn't stop them. They, they weren't living in the, if they were living in the flesh, they wouldn't have been singing and praising. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Oh, no, no, no. They'd be talk, contemplating death like the rest of them were. See, they were walking by faith and not by sight. Others heard, and the Bible says, watch this, church. See, let me, let me, let me, let me ask you this question. Got so much, I got to slow down. What are people hearing in your situation? When people are around you, 
Do they hear you just yap yapping, complaining about your situation? Or do they hear you singing and praising God in the midst of what you're going? What are people hearing? Because what people hear may determine their salvation. Are y'all getting this? What are they hearing when they are around you? Are they hearing the same record, the same tune that everybody else is singing? Because how many know that in the prison, everybody was saying the same thing? I got to get up out of here. That's all they care about. I got to get up out of here. I'm going to die. Uh, but they were praising, giving God the glory, singing, praising God. Now, now, they, you don't hear nothing here saying to Paul and Silas saying, man, this is a waste of my time. It don't even, I mean, if it any place that you would think it might be a waste of time, this might be one of them, right? Come on, church. I mean, you might be tempted to think that. No, you don't hear them saying that. You don't, see, to say it's a waste of time is, is to not be walking in faith. And when we are not walking in faith, we are in unbelief. And unbelief kills morale. And unbelief is an atmosphere that God can't move. Y'all see how all this ties together. So Paul and Silas Praise, watch this, their praise not only affected them, but the people around them. Watch this, what, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? Acts 16, 26. And suddenly, now y'all know when they say suddenly. Now look, this wasn't just a coincidence. Y- y'all, y'all getting this? They were in a bad situation, stagnant, not prog- at least from the natural, not progressing. Nothing ain't happening. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, they'll go on and on and on and on and on. And the Bible says suddenly... There was a great earthquake. There was a great earthquake. Yeah, right. So that the foundation of the prison were shaken. Look at this, church. And immediately, all the doors were open and everybody changed. Bam, fell off. <laughs> because of their worship, everybody else got free. See, I want you to understand something. So when you're driving to church, when everybody else is staying home, Y'all get this? See, see, others will see, and they might get right with God. Because, see, they see, see, it's an expression. See, see, Sunday is a, an expression of your worship. That's why I say you come to church. Your kids come to church. Church is not about, listen to me, church is about worship. It's not just some act of, it's not something I do. On, no, I get up, I strike, brother, I got to do this. Why? Because somebody is watching me, and if I drive off the track, and they see me every Sunday drive off, somebody might get right. Somebody, in other words, church, somebody chains might fall off. Because we sacrifice to God, others will get right. Because we love God, others will see, and they will learn to love him as well. Why? Because others, what? They heard. And their chains fell off. Again, what are people hearing? And what are people seeing in you? I'm almost done. Stay with me for a second. Now watch this. Here's the main point of it. God's whole plan. I want you to get this. What was Paul and Silas doing in that jail? I told you before that when you walk in faith, no matter where you are, what's going on, when you stay in faith, now you got to stay in faith. You got to stay in faith. Because when you're not in faith, you can't please God. That's why the Bible says, God, ugh, no faith, it's just hard. God can't break through that. But when you stay in faith, there are no wasted moments, brother. I made a some mistakes. Things ain't going the way I want them to go. Yada, yada. But you know what? I'm still staying in faith. When you stay in faith, God, there's a door for God to move in your life. 
God is going to move in your life. Paul and Silas, how I many know they were in faith? It says in Acts 16, 27, it says, in the keeper of the prison awakening from sleep, seeing the prison door open. And here's a jailer, right? Supposing that the prisoners had fled, he was going to kill himself. I'm paraphrasing. But Paul called out with a loud voice, said, don't hurt yourself, for we are all here. Look at the name and say, we're all here. Come on, look at your neighbor and tell him, so we're all here. Wake up some people and tell them, we're all here. Tell them we're still here. Wake up. Come on, shake them. We're, we're still here. Then he called for a light. He ran in, fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Watch this. In verse 30, and he brought them out and he said, sir, what must I do to be saved? Stay with me. You and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him, watch it, and to all who were in his house, the jailer's house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them. He rejoiced, having believed in God, what? With all his household. Now, in other words, church, God dropped Paul and Silas in that stinky, dirty dungeon of a jail to just get one man and his family. <sighs> you never know what God, y'all get that. So God did all of that with Paul, took the apostle, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, from a natural perspective, man, I need to be out there doing it. But because, just like Joseph, remember when Joseph maintained an excellent spirit when he was in prison, that Joseph became what? the prime minister of all of Egypt, because he had a great attitude where he was. He served God in faith 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 where he was. I keep saying it, I want you to get it. He says, all along, God had a plan. Now watch this, church. All along, God was working. It appeared like, it appeared from a natural, man, God, this don't make sense to me. God, we're not progressing. This is, I mean, this is, this, what is this? What is this? All along, God had a plan. He was working the entire time, and they didn't even see. I mean, I believe Paul and Silas saw it. But, but for a lot of us, man, we look at situations that we're in, and we say, why, why am I in there? What's going on? But are you in faith? That's what you need to ask yourself. And if you're not in faith, stop blaming me. Stop blaming your brother. Stop blaming your sister. You're not in faith because you are not walking with God the way you should. Y'all hear what I'm saying, church? It's on you. So what you going to do? See, God sent me here. See, God planted, I believe this, God planted foundation here because he is after somebody. Are y'all getting this? God planted Paul and Silas in that dirty place, in that, in that place that seemed like, no, who would have volunteered to go there? Raise your hand. Nobody. But God led them there. And the place where you would say, God ain't in that. Oh, no, brother. Brother, you want to come hang out with me? Oh, no, brother. God ain't in that. Oh, no. Got to find me somewhere else to go. See, see I believe that at, see, and I want, I, I'm God, God, God put this word in my spirit because God wanted me to let all of us know, let you know that God is still working in foundation. 
But some of you don't believe. And it is your unbelief which, uh, which affects your mobility. How many know that faith without works is dead? So when you don't have no faith, you ain't doing much works. Or your heart ain't in it. Y'all get, get what I'm saying? So God was after somebody the entire time. And how many know, I believe that God has put us here, put us here because he's after. And you never know whether it's one family, two. You know, we say this all the time. Whether it's one family, two. You never know what God will do. And all of a sudden, bam. A whole man in the whole household. God was after that jailer and his whole household. Everybody got saved. You know, any given Sunday, we can walk in here and God could be, God could be setting us up for this one moment for somebody to come in here and get saved. And you never know how they would change the whole paradigm of what God is doing here because we couldn't be who we are or need to be without them. And God was in the process of bringing them along. The question is, where is your faith? Amen. That when he show up, do you, are, you going to be, are you going to believe? The Bible says don't be weary in doing well. Don't get tired. Don't quit. He keep doing it. Stay in. In other words, all he's saying is stay in faith. You, listen, you can't, you can't necessarily control outcomes and other people. God does that. But with God, all God is saying, give me a vessel of somebody who will believe me. Give me a vessel of somebody who will believe me. Give, believe God. See, in 2018, God is saying, he's letting us know, God's still working. Don't believe what you see. Walk by faith, not by sight. Are y'all hearing me this morning? Come on, stand to your feet and give God a hand clap of praise if you see that word today. Amen.